Bark, how do you feel about surfing? Uh, I don't care much for yeah. it. I, I'm afraid of sharks. Well, yeah, that, 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 that. Have you ever been to Portugal, by the way? I have not. Got to go to Portugal. Great country, great people, great food. Yep. One of the best places to surf in the world. Well, not like I would go there, but if you're a skilled big wave surfer, is a place called Nazare. Ooh. Portugal. Sounds cool. I, oh, it's great. I, I've, I've been there in the summer, not to surf, been to the beach and all that. Great time. And uh, I, my memory of Nazare is walking down the street, and I could hear this kind of clicking sound, right? I'm with my family. I can hear this clicking sound. I don't know what the hell it is. You know what it was? No. Nope. Cockle was shells that people had pulled in from the water in a big plastic barrel, and they were still alive, and they were clicking and clacking and everything, and it's like... Every place you went, it's like these little old ladies were sitting out there with their with their cockle shell selling it. It was great. And, yet, you know, I, and the reason I, I thought about this, because uh, there's a TV show called 100-Foot Wave, and it's about Garrett McNamara. You heard of Garrett McNamara, Bark? No. He's a, a surfer, legendary surfer, who spent his entire life looking for the 100-foot wave, right? He got Did it he at Nazare. Got it at Nazare. It's a great HBO series. I PVR'd it last Sunday, and I watched it last night. You know I watched it last night, Bark? I watched it last night because Ross freaking Stripling crapped the bed and the uh, Jays lost. I, I hung in. God's honest truth. I hung into the second inning, and at that point, I look across the room, I look at the misses, and I say, Jesus, I cannot watch this anymore. Have we taped the 100-foot wave? So we had to go through PVR. So the 100-foot wave is highly recommended. I just wanted you to how, know that. How, how, how long did he ride the 100-foot wave? I don't know. It's a multi-part series. But like oh, you're right not, now, you're he's not a, just, right now, he just kind of, he's doing, because see, it's not simply a matter of jumping on the wave. Ah. Uh, right. You know, it's not, it's not that easy. It's not like, you know, it, it's the Red a process. Sox against you, you gotta, Ross Stripling yesterday. You got to do a little bit of research. <laughs> you got to dig, like, you actually have to get into the geography and, and the geological stuff of the ocean and all that. So that was my night last night. Uh, that was awful. Yeah, well, uh, other, you know. Not the I had show. To do, well, 100 Foot Wave is going to be great. Yeah, I had to do Jay's talk, so I had to sit through the entire Ooh, thing. Man. <laughs> so so I had to watch double the, for that, I hope, eh? Uh, uh, probably not. So I, so I got to watch the Jays go 1 for 12 with runners in scoring position. I got to see Anthony Kay and Ross Stripling face uh, 19 batters, only get five outs. Uh, they scored 11 runs. They walked five guys. They gave up four homers. Yeah, I, I was I was taking my little pen, writing stuff down. You know, what what's he doing? When should he do it? Why, why is he doing that? Why did he throw an 0-2 fastball which, when he can't command his fastball uh, to a guy that likes to hit fastballs to the pull side? It's, you know, you, you, you look at games like that, and you think, okay, the Red Sox, one of the best hitting teams in all of baseball, had some hiccups the last two or three days against the Yankees, probably coming in there going, look, man, look at this field. Line to line, the ball flies there. Look who we're facing. The guy throws 91-92, hasn't pitched in eight days. You know, if you if you don't chase, you get him in the zone, we got a pretty good chance of, of scoring some runs. Now, did they think they were going to score eight runs in the first inning? Probably not. But this just goes to show you sometimes you'd think taking a big step back looking at the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays really, in all parts of their game, have enough horses to compete with the big boys in the American League East. Forget about the rest of baseball. 
just the American League East. That's the Yankees, that's the Rays, and that's the Red Sox. From what you've seen with the Blue Jays consistently, can they match up, line up defensive-wise, running the bases-wise, outfield play defense, bullpen, starting rotation? What's your thoughts on that? No. <laughs> no, listen, honestly, yeah, the Yankees, the Yankees are a tire fire. Uh, I, I, I think they can match up with, I mean, I don't even think, I don't, I don't even look at the Yankees as being a threat. I'll probably regret saying that, but uh, you yeah, know, don't forget, I, I'm a one who, I, I, I'm one who's, you know, stuck a fork in the, in the Yankees a while ago. I so. did pick the Yankees and, and the, uh, Padres to go to the World yeah, Series. well, we, you know, we How all, am I looking? Mm, well, but, uh, the Rays, I think they're closer than they've been in the past. I think they're closer than they were last year. Boston, I just don't know. I keep waiting for Boston to collapse. You know, they're not they're they're not playing particularly well right now. You know what they they lost. What did I say yesterday? They lost something like six of eight. Uh, you know that. I, I think the I think the Red Sox thought they were going to stick a fork in the Yankees. That didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, Alex Alex Cora jumbled up his lineup, mixed up his lineup, got got results. No, I see. I'm all kidding aside. I think the Jays are closer to the Red Sox now than I thought they were earlier in the year because I think the bullpen with Adam Simber and and Trevor Richards is a better bullpen. But I think what last night reminded us is. There's kind of a danger to looking at a guy having a career year and saying you can hitch your wagon to the guy's career year. For some reason, everybody thinks Ross Stripling has stunk in the last two months. Ross Stripling hasn't stunk in the last two months. Nope. Uh, for some reason on social media, it's like everybody wants to get rid of him. I, I, I understand that, that Twitter is not necessarily the, uh, the place to go for common sense. Any more than sports talk radio, to be honest. But the point is, people seem to have this idea this guy is the worst starting pitcher in baseball history. And he's not. Statistically, he's one of the best pitchers in the American League. But let's look at that. As we said coming out of the All-Star break, what were the two certainties of the Blue Jays' rotation? Well, that was that Robbie Ray was pitching really well. Could have gone to the All-Star game. And Alec Manoa was pitching, certainly giving them a chance to win, and Ross Stripling was lights out. Well, the lights out thing, the lights went out and the lights out last night. Maybe he gets it back. I don't know. Ross Stripling's not as bad as he was yesterday. He's not as good as he's been when he's at his best. It's it's someplace in between. Uh, Alec Manoa now is on the IL with a back injury, uh, slipping on on steps, I, I whatever, you know, given this team's track record with back injuries. We shall see with that portends. But I think what last night's what last night's game showed me is just just how fine the line is with this team. And again, it reinforced to me that at, at some point this team is going to have to trade for a starting pitcher. And it's got to be a guy who's not just going to be here this year. It's got to be a guy who's going to be here next year. You're not going to have I don't think you'll have Robbie Ray back next year. I think he goes as a free agent. I don't think you can count on Nate Pearson next year. If he makes a rotation, fine. If he doesn't, he starts the year at AAA. Steven Matz, 
I don't know. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> excite me. I mean, they, they've they've got to they have got to address their rotation to the point where whatever Ross Stripling gives you bark is a bonus, and you can't you can't count on Ross Stripling and Alec Manoa. They have to be bonuses. So that's the question I, I would turn it around and ask you. I think everything else is fine. I think they certainly have enough offense to contend. The defense doesn't worry me as much as it has in the past. I think the bullpen will sort itself out. But the rotation, yeah, we saw last night. Sometimes stripling going to stripling. And you know, now we're in a position where Thomas Hatch has to right the ship tonight. Yeah, I, th- I think that the the record they have, which is two games under five hundred in their own division, that that's a little bit of a head scratcher because of the all stars they have, because of the lineup they have, because of Robbie Ray's year that he has. Ryu's been good enough, hasn't been great, Ryu, but he's been good enough. And then Alec Manoa coming up and doing sort of Alec Manoa things. I understand the bullpen early on in the year had their hiccup and was as bad as any bullpen in baseball. I get it, but you just think right that every once in a while you got to flex your muscle. And I understand having Boston coming in struggling uh, Alex Cora moved around the lineup a little bit which is sort of what you do when it, when a team's struggling you mix it up trying to put the right guy in the right spot uh, when he comes up there's runner on base like JD Martinez went four for four with with two doubles and two singles last night you know that that's probably not how you script it if you're Alex Cora but you'll take it every single time you change up the lineup I I just every once in a while I want them to go my best against your best, and I want that best for the Blue Jays to be good enough, and it just seems like for whatever reason, right, it's two out of the three big five in their order either doesn't show up. You know, Vladdy, it's unfair. He's hitting under 330 now. Whew, what's wrong with Vladdy, right? But he left six guys on base in the first inning. He comes up first Somebody really inning. ask you what's wrong with Vladdy? No, no, I'm just joking. I'm kidding around about that. He's probably going to win an MVP. I'm just saying when it comes to facing the better teams in the American League East, guys like Flatty, guys like Teoscar, and don't guys forget like your George guy. Springer. There you have go. To, I knew it yeah. was coming, George well, they Springer. Do. I knew yeah, it was it, coming. Well, it's what he do in the first inning? He came up first and second with two outs. He hits a broken bat, pop up to second base. I know he went three for four. I'm saying it's when you're facing the better teams in your own division, the guys that have to step up have to always step up. For them to, you know, have the striplings and have the other guys that their names aren't George Springer, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Marcus Simeon, Teoscar Hernandez, sort of can now fall in place and do their kind of thing. I just, you know, I, I don't want to say it's disappointing. I just, I think for me, the Blue Jays are better than what they show against the good teams in their own division. I mean, I wouldn't argue with that. I think the record is what the record is, though, right? That, I guess. Does that sound stupid? But it does. That's, that sounds really. That well, anybody sounds... can anybody can say that. I, I just it's right. It's just if for whatever reason when they're facing these really good teams, which the Red Sox now we can say is a really good team. Mm-hmm. Something that something yeah. doesn't show up. It's the starting pitcher. It's the base running. It's one bad defensive play. It's a guy in the bullpen that doesn't show up to get it to the highest leverage. Guys, it always seems to be that one little thing that they can't correct. What did you make of Ross Stripling's comments after the game about, you know, being in a weird headspace? Uh, his family is not coming with him to Toronto. He's got, what, a five-month child He's saying goodbye to him. And, you know, look, one of the things I think we know about Ross Stripling, we've spoken to him. Ross, Ross Stripling, sometimes when a guy speaks well, and says stuff and 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 opens a little bit of himself to you. I think as sports fans and as media, 
our natural reaction is to kind of roll our eyes. It's odd because all we say is, don't give me a cliche answer. Tell me what you really feel. Then a guy tells you what he really feels, and everybody rolls their eyes. I kind of buy that because we know from different folks we've texted and talked to, we know that the, the whole Buffalo thing, as I've said it, got old guys were okay last year with with it because hey it was everybody's in the same boat let's suck it up away we go you know they 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 uh they used it as a rallying cry ain't nothing to rally about right now no there's, there's, no, not, it, there's not a damn thing to rally about when and, you and go you, out in the minor league field and 95 percent of the fans are cheering for the other team there you go so i but i mean look you played the do we as as fans and as media do we overlook the fact that these guys are family? You know, there, there are some family folks in here as well. Like you played in a lot of teams. I'm sure you had yeah. teams with a mix of young guys, older guys. Sure. God, you you were a teammate of Eric Kratz, and he had like 150 kids. <laughs> so is that really something? Well, I, I've never played during COVID. COVID situations are totally different. You're trying to protect your family. You're trying to do what's best for them. You have a, a newborn baby. You want to protect your wife after her having the newborn baby. You probably don't want her traveling and, you know, having a chance of getting sick. Whatever the case is, you're, you're more thinking about that than you are throwing strike, strike one and being efficient with two strikes. But, again, you on the flip side of that is it's your job. You get paid pretty good money to go out and in some of the biggest games of the year, you know, command the strikes on a little bit better, you know, be better with two strikes, not give up so many home runs, throw strike one a little bit more, be more efficient, give your team a better chance, like just not showing up. I don't, again, it's, it's very hard for us to go on here and bust on Ross Stripling with the way he's talked and the way he's come out and basically said, I've stunk. I, I need to, totally change what I'm doing mechanically. I'm going to add a, a wind-up. I'm going to mm. stop moving my hands. I've been tipping my pitches. He's a very smart human being. And and all the things that they've been going through, trying to get through, just trying to learn how to pitch with not very good stuff. He doesn't have electric stuff. It's not like he can go enough of this. Here is my best fastball. See if you can hit it. He can't do that. He has to locate that. He has to set guys up. The The curveball has to be a little bit better. The, the run and the sink on his chest Changeup has to be good. He has to be able to throw cutters to righties and lefties. It's what he was feeling. Look, he had a very bad start when a team really needed a good start from him, and he was being honest. I don't, I don't know how Markham. we can bust on that. And 590, 590's the text, the text line. Rick and Markham, I'm not buying that Ross Stripling nonsense about coming to Canada. You've been playing for the Blue Jays for two years, actually less than a year. And now you finally have to go to Canada. Or was it two years? I can't remember. And it's causing you trauma. Are you serious? You're not going off to war. You're going to be back in America in a week. That, that is not the point. And if you listen to, the, to what Ross Stripling said, Rick, you'll understand that is not the point. Um, he is not saying it's causing him trauma. Any, anything. He said he was in a weird headspace because of it. And, you know, again, uh, I, I have a lot of... Uh, of a lot of currency, I I, I, or I say I think he has a lot of currency because yep. uh, because of the way he is. Chris and Branson but I, but says Stripling has an ERA of five point zero four, so I don't know where you get that he's good this year. Take a look at his last month. Get back to me. 
I mean, he's he has been he yeah, has been but, one of their better pitchers this year. Certainly one of well, their most consistent well, that, pitchers this year. Out of the last seven of the nine games, he gave up two or two or fewer runs. But yeah, I that's will say this: hard. if I were Pete Walker, I would walk up about three days from now and say, "Hey, we're, how's your headspace?" I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to need you to give us more than a third of an inning. Like I'm. I'm going to need you to to be, you know, in a better headspace. If not, you need to tell me, and we can figure out other ways to give our te- team a chance to win. It's this is your job. That's the harsh reality of being a professional athlete and getting paid, you know, enough money that you can separate things that are going on with your personal life and come out and actually perform at the highest levels and be able to, you know, again, give your team a better chance than eight runs and a third of an inning is just not acceptable. But again, it's it's how he feels. It's what he says. He's always very honest. You listen to his Zooms. I listen to his Zooms more than I probably should listen to him. He is very accurate. He is very open. He is very honest. And that obviously didn't change in his last Zoom. 590-590 is the text line. And uh, we will get you set for tonight's second of three games between the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Thomas Hatch gets the start tonight as a result of Alec Manoa going on the IL with a back injury, slipped on a wet wet step at Salem Field, wrenched his back. So uh, he has gone on the IL. Thomas Hatch will make his, uh, his first start of the year after a long long rehab we will take a break and come back we'll talk about thomas hatch this is baseball central at sportsnet 590 the fan as he mentioned alec manoa will not start tonight he is on the il after hurting his back slipping on a wet step at salem field mr barker thomas hatch will get the start tonight for the blue jays he's a guy he's a strike thrower we know he's a guy that the organization is very high on. Um, I, 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 he's kind of been in. He's kind of in that group with that that grouping of pitchers with Anthony Kay and you know anybody else in terms of guys who might be possibly could be at some point major league starters. But I know that the front office and the coaching staff really like him because he's a strike thrower first and foremost. Well, he's got to have quality stuff, right? He's got to he's got to not pick today. He's got to attack. He's got to throw strike one, which is what, not what we saw yesterday. He's got to command the fastball. Uh, you know, he's got a decent slider and a changeup. When he throws those, they got to be down. You elevate that in that little tiny ballpark against the Red Sox, you're going to get hurt, and you're going to get hurt a lot. And if he, you know, controls the heartbeat, I think early in the game, that that's the big thing is getting get get them through that lineup so the, you know the Jays lineup can get maybe through one time of Garrett Richards because Garrett Richards has been getting pounded. That four seam slider that he's got, league's hitting over 300 against both those pitches. He's very heavy to the righties with those two pitches. You know, you give that Jays lineup just a little bit of time to see him one time, know which way it's moving. Now I understand they faced him before but it's a little different now right later in the season you may not have the extra gear to the heater they need to see that second time through is usually when they get the foot down get it singing it's up to thomas hatch to command a little bit better attack don't nibble if he can do that and control the heartbeat that's that's the big thing for me because he hasn't pitched a big league game until in September, and he saw what we saw last night. Not very good. They need a really good start from him. He's probably going to get 70 to 90 pitches. Hopefully that will get him through probably four, maybe five innings. But it's that early one at bat, one time through. How can he control that, 
get him through it, let the Jays figure the other guy out, and hopefully they can score some runs. And they're going to need to score multiple runs. It's it's not going to be a, a three to two game, I wouldn't think. It's going to be seven to five, eight to six, nine to seven, those kind of games. And the Jays need to score some runs. Hey, what do you think of Jaron Duran, who is one of the Red Sox top prospects? Now, he obviously made a good impression with that home run in the first inning. But what did you what did you think of his swing? What did you think of him as a player? Yeah, I think he's okay. I think, you know, the the jury's still out on can he hit velocity? Can he control the strike zone? Does he know, you know, what his strengths are? He's a young guy. That home run he hit in the first inning, that might have been a Buffalo homer. I, I can tell you, the, mm-hmm. again, I've said this to you before. <laughs> I know. You don't have to be real good mechanically there. If you can create some backspin, get it in the air, line to line in that ballpark, you got a pretty good chance of being rewarded for it. But it's not his fault he's playing in that park. You know, he he attacked. He gets a looks like he has a halfway decent approach. It's just right. It's it's the young stars now that come up just seem to have it. And he seems to be one of those guys that you can fill in. I mean, he's hitting at the top of the order for the Boston Red Sox, who were in first place. Like, you know, to for Alex Cora to have enough, you know, confidence in him and, and knowing that he's capable mentally of having a better approach to get on base for the big boys. That's why he's there, right, to get on base. He's not there to hit homers or anything like that. Hopefully he'll get some better pitches, fastballs, and fastball counts. That's why you stack him around some pretty good hitters. Just stay within yourself, not try to do too much. I know that's very hard to do for some young guys, but if he does that in that lineup, he should do all right. So Garrett Richards gets the start. For the Jays tonight, you've already you or for the Red Sox tonight, you've already you've already talked about him and, and and what we can expect from him. If you are the Blue Jays, Kevin, and and you're you're coming off a game where let's face it, you had it handed to you, thirteen four, and you're right, they had opportunities uh, to break it open. I'm sure Vladdy would like to have that at bat with bases loaded. I'm sure he'd like to 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 have it back again. Do, do hitters take stuff away from a previous game going into the next game? In other words, I understand that Nick Pavetta and Garrett Richards aren't similar aren't similar pitchers, but will guys build on what they learned in the previous game and carry it over to the next game generally, or is it just fresh slate, new day, you know, whatever happened last night doesn't matter, different pitcher? Can't take anything good from it. Can't take anything bad from it, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I know uh, a couple at bat. One at bat there with two strikes. Nick Pavetta, <clears throat> excuse me, quick pitch, Vladdy leading off the fourth inning. I think it was the fourth, fifth inning. One of those innings that he let off, uh, he quick pitching with two strikes. And Vladdy, you could tell, got a little chapped. He didn't seem to like that. Now, I, I understand there's nothing wrong with a guy trying to disrupt timing. I don't care what the score is. It's his job to, to get some of the best hitters in baseball out. But Vladdy didn't t- seem to like that too much. And you can take a little bit of that, <clears throat> how dare you do that kind of thing, up 13 to nothing or whatever the score was. It was a lot to a little. And for just Vladdy to step out and go, are you kidding me? And he, I think he said something maybe to the catcher. It was a quiet something, right? It was the score. And he understands that that guy's mm-hmm. trying to get him out. But you can't take a little lad. You can't take, okay, I get it. You're in first place. You got a little mojo out there. It's time for us to – and and we are basically playing a, a road game in Buffalo because, like you said, there is 95% Red Sox fans there. And the other 5% Blue Jays fans, you can barely hear them. You know, the, the Blue Jays were getting booed and all kinds of things yesterday. But I do think you can take a little bit of the fire of, you know, you got stepped on and you got quick pitched. And Vladdy, right, came up the first inning, came up the fourth inning, didn't get it done. You can take a little bit of that – 
you know, he understands what he brings and what he has to bring against these really good teams. And I, I always say this, it takes your superstars to carry some teams. And, and we know the obvious names. And the obvious na- names today needs to show up, have better at-bats. And when the bell rings, and I'm talking about – I'm not talking about coming up oo and hitting a, 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 a double off the end of the bat – to, to start lead off an inning, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when second and third with two outs, a guy comes up that's supposed to get big hits. That's when the bell rings. Have better at bats that way, and then you'll start to see the outcome that you want to have. But again, all this is for naught if Thomas Hatch doesn't show up the first inning, throw up a zero, and then that way Marcus Simeon can come up look right down the mir- middle because Garrett Richards is not a location guy. He's good. He's a stuff guy. He thinks his fastball runs all over the place and the slider he can get righties out with. Well, if you don't chase the slider and you can look right down the middle, he's going to throw it there sooner than later. When you get it, you don't miss it, and it'll be just easier for them not to miss it if, you know, if, if Thomas Hatch goes out and throws at zero first inning. I want to ask you about, about the Red Sox lineup. I found this interesting. Uh, I mean, the lineup the Red Sox sent out last night was different from the one they used in, in the series against the Yankees. Jaron Duran went up to the number two spot. Alex Verdugo dropped down to sixth. Rafael Devers is in the cleanup position. J.D. Martinez hit fifth. And, uh, and, and Hunter Renfro, who I really – Hunter Renfro, I really like. I mean, I, you know, newsflash, I think he's a pretty good player. But dropped down into the number seven spot. And, of course, predictably, he ends up hitting a grand slam there. But this is interesting. Cora said that he wrote down this lineup in the middle of the game Sunday against the Yankees. In the dugout, mm-hmm. just kind of, just kind of thinking. You know, he said, "This is quote: We haven't been great offensively since he went to Oakland. I just felt like moving people around would probably relax a few guys. I think the key also is getting JD, getting those two guys in front of him. He's an RBI machine, and it just happens that he's being a he's he's been doing a good job throughout the season. But I just felt that it was time to go with Bogarts, Raffy, and JD in that order, and give the kid a chance at the top of the lineup." What do you think went through the Red Sox players' minds when they came in to the clubhouse and saw that lineup? I'm, I'm sure because this is the way the game is done. I'm sure the players knew that they were going to be moved. And I, I, I'm, I'm sure Alex Cora gave them, especially a guy like J.D. Martinez, I think a veteran, you'd want to give him a heads up. You know how much preparation is an important yeah. part of his deal. But what does that do to a team when, when a manager shakes up a lineup like that? Well, it makes sense. It, it's uh, He's trying to take care of the issue before the issue gets worse, right? And it makes it a lot harder for them to pitch to. If you think about it, you go righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, switch hitter, righty. So you, you, it's so hard. You can't pitch one, two or three guys in a row the exact same way, right? And it makes it that much harder for a pitcher to command his fastball, pitch a little backwards, throw a changeup and a fastball mm-hmm. count, mm-hmm. those kind of things. So it adds a little bit of different element, makes it harder for that opposing manager to match up against the guys. It puts your best hitters in the, in the best p- position to succeed. J.D. Martinez right now, you want him up with two outs, a runner on second base. You'd rather have him right now than Rafael Devers, right? So it's it's that little thing of you want the experience down the stretch. You want the younger guy free and easy, not worrying about anything in Devers. And Martinez can ultimately, you know, protect Devers a little bit, get him some fastball and fastball counts. You know, you're not going to change probably the way they pitch to him because, you know, that – you can get him out with a located somewhat fastball, but it is just that right when it's two strikes, maybe you get him a few more fastballs than, than some off-speed pitches. So 
it, it just makes a ton of sense, right? When you're in first place, it's a little bit easier to make these moves too. You can walk up to a guy and go, hey, I, we're in first place. I'm going to shake this up a little. I'm not hitting you ninth. I'm just going to move you down a spot or two, make you a little bit better, and ultimately make our team a little bit better, and we're going to win some more games because of it. I'm going to tell you some stats here that are, if you're a Blue Jays fan, it's going to make you feel really bad. This is the Boston Red Sox this year. They started the season 0-3. Then they won their next nine games. They lost three in a row at Houston. Then they won five in a row, including a sweep of the Yankees. Earlier this year, you remember they lost 18-4 to the Jays. I don't know if you remember. They walked the Jays off the next day. They had a walk-off loss at Tampa Bay, one nothing. They went on to win eight games. They lost to New York 9-1 on Sunday and scored eight first-inning runs yesterday. What does that tell you about this team, Kevin? Did they have a really good lineup, right? The, the, another stat, too, is they got 336 extra base hits. That yeah. leads Major League Baseball. They and had I 14, think they have the most doubles in Major League Baseball. They had 14 mistaken. hits yesterday. Ten of those were extra base hits, Ooh. right? And six of the ten were homers. So just to say they have experience, they have confidence, they love their manager, too. You know, the, the manager is basically down walking on water. You know, it's it's that uh, Tombstone movie where, where, where is he? Well, I think he's down walking on water. That's Alex Cora. He, he just seems like he can do no wrong. And each, we just talked about the lineup, right? Little changes he makes to make the team a little bit better. It's very hard to say that when everybody was yelling and screaming about how bad the Red Sox were going to be this year, and they're one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, and they're doing it in the American League East, which is not the easiest division to do it in. Ask the Blue Jays. You know, the Yankees have taken a step back, and the Blue Jays are still in third place. Yeah. That'll well, tell you and, how and good the say American this, League East is. got to say this about the Red Sox, too. It, it, you think back to the last time they won the World Series, and Dan Shaughnessy, who's – covered the team longer than just about any living writer now with the exception i suppose of peter gammons he wrote them off in spring training said it might be the worst red sox team of all time <laughs> or the, the not the worst red sox team of all time but in in recent years the the least fancied red sox team nobody expected anything from them remember they had a bunch of of johnny gomeses and guys like that and they were kind of a mishmash put together shane victorino and on paper you looked at it and went god they ended up winning a world series and yeah, they're, it, getting it, chris, they're getting chris sale back too soon and if you think about it in their middle of their order right that they got Alexander bogarts who's hitting 321 with uh what he was hitting 321 coming into yesterday with 51 rbis devers got 72 rbis jd martinez got 63 rbis right it's it's sort of that next man up mentality because they know if one guy doesn't get it done because of the, where their home field is, that little short porch and left, you can use that to your advantage. You got smart guys who are having comeback years after COVID year last year, which they really seem to have a really tough time of getting through that. They're, they're superstars are being superstars. And then they, they got some other guys that they didn't expect to be having good years that are having good years. And they got off to a hot start. That's the ultimate thing is you get off to a hot start. Winning becomes a habit. They formed a habit. And again, it's about that manager walking on water. Tomorrow is walk-off Wednesday. We'll take your calls and your texts tomorrow. And if uh, we like your text or we like your call, we will, we will replay it and let you and let you walk us off. But uh, we got time to get to the text line today as well. 590-590. That is the text line. Like to keep it open after a game like last night, a 13-4 loss ahead of another game tonight. 
What did you make of last night's loss? Now, this is the first place team in the East, keep in mind. It is the Boston Red Sox. They got, what, 10 of 20 games against the Red Sox coming up? What did you make of that loss? One off, did you see anything in that game? Anything in that game that you think is a lingering concern? 590-590 is a text line. We'll get to it when we come back. This is Baseball Central. Reminder that Effective Monday, Baseball Central will be on the air from 5 to 7 p.m. on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Tim and friends are taking a uh, little hiatus while the Olympics are on. And, uh, of course, the uh, National Bank tennis, hard on the heels of the Olympics. So we'll be on from 5 to 7. We'll be your effectively your Blue Jays pregame show. And on August 2nd, we'll be on from, from 1 to 3. And uh, so there you go. And uh, you can stay tuned for further. Well, stay tuned. Be further information on on uh, who's doing what when. But as far as we know right now, five to seven uh, for, I guess, about three weeks. And uh, that will include the Jays' return home to Toronto on July 30th, which just happens to be, just happens to be the uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline. A couple of folks on the text line, Bark, caught something. Joey in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. Um, he says, did you guys catch Nick Pavetta screaming what at Bo after he hit him with a changeup? Now, I didn't, I didn't catch it. I was probably watching a 100-foot wave then, <laughs> to be honest. It was probably at that point that uh, yeah. that I'd flipped over, but no, I I I, I saw it. Um, you know, something you talked about, Vladdy talking to the catcher after being quick pitched, and, and this is one of those we're getting into the unwritten rules things, right? There's which I I'm never really all that comfortable with. You know, to me it was pretty clear that Nick Pavetta was having trouble gripping the ball last night. We saw that in the first inning, and. I think we also saw, you know, the, the bases loaded situation. We saw that play that wasn't made in the infield by Nick Pavetta. That was not, I'm going to say this, watching Nick Pavetta, at no point did I really feel that he felt he was up 12 nothing or 8 nothing or, or or whatever it was. He was, that was not his best game. And he was fighting the grip on the ball. So he's trying to get through that game, Kevin. And he quick pitched Vladdy. He quick pitched Bo, and then he hit Bo with a with a with a changeup. If you're going to hit somebody, I was going to say when you're up when you're up by that much, you're probably not going to hit anybody. And if you are going to hit him, they have pissed you off. I don't know if you do it with a changeup. But what did you make of that? Yeah, see, I didn't see him looking at Bo and say what. I didn't, I didn't see that. I, I, but you I saw Bo give him the fish eye. Well, I did after he was after he got hit. He was running down the first baseline. You could see him fish eyeing the pitcher, you know, because I, it looked to me like I, if I remember correctly, he threw a ball up underneath his chin, and then the, the next pitch or the pitch after that, he threw the changeup and hit him in the shirt or the back of the thigh or wherever it did. It didn't really hit him very hard, if, even if it did hit him. It didn't look to me even like it hit him. But I think it was more the fact that that he quick pitched him, and then he was looked to me like uh, Pavetta was complaining about the ball. He was saying something, but I didn't see him lean in or yell in and say what to Bo. I just think that is, again, when, when – 
you have the shift. All gloves are off when it comes to how hard these guys throw. Uh, you know, the shift is involved. The unwritten rule thing, it's like th- those are not existent for me anymore. And I, and I get it. I just think sometimes when it's 13 nothing, or that was a little bit of what Vladdy, and I'm not saying Vladdy in, in made a big deal out of that, which he didn't. He just was like, huh, what? And then I think he said a little something to the catcher. I say this will fuel a little bit of that today. I remember what you did yesterday. I remember what I did not do in the game, which is come up big with two outs with the bases loaded in the fourth inning, come up with first and second in the the first inning with nobody out and struck out. I remember what I did, and I also remember what you did to me with two strikes. I can use that to have a little bit better approach, a little bit more compact, and do flat, flatty things today. So, it's it's all part of it. I like it. This is what this is what you know. The dog days of of summer and these guys are fighting for playoff positions. And the Red Sox think they're really good again. It's this is this is what you want. You want guys competing back and forth. You you want a guy not to like each other. I don't like you. Don't do that again. Or I'm going to run out there and do something about it. Now they probably wouldn't do that, but that's sort of how the the mentality is. And you know, it's 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 good to have that little American League East thing. And I, and I got to be honest with you, I just think the Blue Jays are tired of being in Buffalo because there was a lot of fans rooting and, and yelling and jumping up and down for the Red Sox. If you're the Blue Jays, you think, are we at home or is this a road game? So I'm, I'm assuming that that adds a little bit to it too, and they'll be excited to get away from there and come back up here, maybe have a little home field advantage, and hopefully start winning some games and beating their their division rivals every once in a while. I know we're dealing with unwritten rules here, but as someone who played the game, when you have a pitcher who, whatever reason, is is struggling with control, I mean, it does happen. Guys have games where they just don't have have their control. Even, Even great pitchers sometimes have that. As a hitter, do you, do you allow the pitcher to have that game? You know what I mean? In other words, do you sort of, look at what he's going through and, and go, yeah, okay, I can kind of see this. Like, I can see, again, I can see why the, why Nick Pavetta felt, to me, it's a sign of respect that he felt he had to quick pitch these guys. He had to yeah. basically empty the arsenal with, an, with, with what, a nine-run lead. He had to empty the arsenal to get it done. If I'm the Jays, I'm thinking, this guy's scared of us. Well, well, maybe he might be searching for things too. He might, you know, think that that guy looks like he's on my fastball. First he start might be after on my... the All Star break from two, there you right? go. So, something that's not feeling right. You know, normally he would use his breaking ball to get somebody out with the breaking ball. Didn't have good feel for it. He may have to go to something else, and that something else is a quick pitch to just try and get. The, the only two people I remember him doing it to was Bo and Blatty. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember him doing it to anybody else. So he does have tremendous respect for both of those guys. Again, it's, it's, if you're the Blue Jays, you just duck your head, run to first if you get hit, or if he gets you out on a ground out, you just run because you got your butt kicked. You got taken behind the woodshed, but you can use a little bit of that and remember that. And again, the superstars for the Blue Jays have to be superstars and, I don't expect Vladdy to leave six guys on base against again against the Red Sox this season. He's going to have some better at bats. He'll not try so hard. You can tell a little bit when Vladdy's trying. He overswings. He's a little on his heels. You can see the barrel's not in the hitting zone as long as it normally is. He's overswinging a little bit. That's not Vladdy. It's short and quick. It's to the ball. It's long through it. You can see the big finish. It's balanced. He'll wipe that away. He'll come back today and he'll dominate. 
590-590 is a text line. Rich in Toronto says, why is it every time you discuss a blue pending Blue Jays free agent, you have them leaving the team? Are we a small market? No, we're not a small market, Rich, but a, a couple of things at work here. Robbie Ray gave, gave the Jays a major discount this year to come back. Now, Robbie Ray made a smart move. It was a pillow contract, a one-year contract to build up his value. One thing you know about baseball players is generally, and this is this is not a bad thing, but they like to get their money back. So I would assume that Robbie Ray probably isn't going to cut, it won't cut the Jays a hometown discount the next time. I'm presuming he's looking for three years. And if you're the Jays, you got to ask yourself. Bark talks about this. Robbie Ray is a max effort guy. He is not 21 years old. Are you confident that what you see right now is what you're going to get in the second year of that three-year contract? If you're not, then it makes no sense to offer him the contract. It's that simple. It's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, are, are we a small market? George Springer signed here. Now, it took the Jays an extra year and more money than any other team to get him to sign here, just as Canada's own Russ Martin wouldn't come here unless he was given an extra year. That's just the fact of life. It doesn't mean you're a small market. It's just a fact of life of doing business if you're Toronto. Now, maybe that changes. Right? You look at the Blue Jays right now, Kevin, and if you're a free agent and you're looking at this lineup, and first of all, the whole Dunedin-Buffalo stuff's off yeah. the table. So if you're looking at next year, you're thinking, okay, if I got a pitch in the American League East, I'm looking at a lineup that's going to have Springer, Bichette, and Guerrero. Uh, I'd be okay with that. You know, like, I think, I, I will say this. I think the fact that the Jays signed George Springer, the fact that they have all these young guys, the fact that they will be back in Toronto, I think they're a very attractive team to a free agent. But it's still going to cost an extra year and more money. It just is because it's different. It's different coming to Toronto. And I know it's like, you say, Jeff, going through customs, what's the big deal? Not a big deal, but if you don't have to do it, you don't want to do it. If somebody said to you, here's the thing, the rest of your life, you're, you're going to be able to go back and forth. You're going to be able to go about your business and never have to cross the border. Or you're never going to have to go through customs. If the money's the same, why would you do that? Well, you might do it. You might do it. You might put up with whatever, whatever extra aggravation is there. If you're going to a team that's going to win. So, yeah, I, listen, in the case of Robbie Ray, I don't think it's necessarily the Jays don't have the money to sign him. I think the question is, one, do they think he's what they're seeing right now is what they're going to get in three years? And two, if you're Robbie Ray, I would imagine, Bark, at this point in time, you want to go out and get as much money as you can. Yeah, well, they're going to have to go out and sign somebody because next year you're probably looking at Ryu, Pearson, Manoa, Stripling, and Mats. That's that's not going to win you no right titles yeah. or get you to some playoff game doing those guys in the American League East. So you're going to have to go out. With me, Robbie Ray, can he maintain velocity? Can he do it with two pitches next year? You would certainly think, no, the book's going to be a little bit more out on him. You know, how much he throws his, his slider, what his fastball does. Can he maintain that velocity? Can he just maintain his body enough to max effort? You know, 3,000 pitches next year, as hard as he throws 3,000 pitches. I, 
it, that's just a lot to ask, and he will. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, he came back here for Pete Walker. Pete Walker's done a heck of a job of getting him mechanically sound enough to repeat it and know when he's not repeating it how to fix it quick enough to get it back into what's he made, 18 starts, had 26 walks, Jeff. Six of those are in one, in one game. Now think about that for a second. Can he continue to do that for the next at least two more years if you sign him to a three-year deal. That's a lot to ask a guy that's basically went from this guy that walks everybody to a guy that walk, doesn't walk anybody. Can he continue to not walk anybody and be as dominant as he's been in the American League East? It is. It's a lot to ask, right? So probably not going to see him here next year, but they're going to have to go out and get some guys and trade some pieces, some prospects to get, you know, a, a big-time guy, a big-time maybe number one, you know, to either get in front of Ryu or follow up Ryu just to, you know, take some some pressure off of everybody else because there's going to be some youth in that. And I'm with you. The lineup's really good. It's going to be really good for a while. But you don't want to waste it. you got to have good pitching. How do the Rays win consistently every year? They hit a ton of home runs, and they pitch better than anybody on the planet. Can the Blue Jays catch up and do a little bit of that? Yeah, that's and, – and if you think back to this offseason, keep in mind that one of the – pitchers the Jays did go after was Kevin Gossman who's having a terrific year for San Francisco so and we know that they were a player for Kevin Gossman they've they've been in on him a couple of times but again it doesn't necessarily mean that he's 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 going to choose to come to Toronto but as I as I as I always tell people the fact that the Jays were in on Michael Brantley the fact that they tried to tried to get Kevin Gossman, that tells you, and yeah, they got George Springer, but that tells you what the organization thought their weaknesses were. And you have to ask yourself, have they addressed those weaknesses? You know, they went after Kevin Gossman after they'd signed Robbie Ray. So you have to ask yourself, has this front office addressed what they must have seen as issues going into the year? And I think the answer is the answer is still no. They still, they need a starting pitcher and they need, they need somebody who's going to give them, going to give them some cover for the, ne- the next couple of years. And see, and that, to me, that's, that's not bad. I, I would rather Ross Atkins aim high to get somebody who's going to be here for a couple of years. I would rather him do that as opposed to getting all wrapped up in trading for a guy who's only going to be here for three months. Yeah. If, if, especially if I have to give up anything of value. I, I just don't want to do that because I don't know if, I mean, what, if, Bringing in a guy, does that – maybe it gives you a chance if you get to the wild card, but I don't know if it necessarily carries you to to the postseason. Yeah, um, you can't teach experience, right? You're going out. You already got George Springer who has been there August, September, October when it matters, right? Th- those down the stretch. Those, those months are different than playing the first three months of the season. So you want to surround all the young youth that brings all the energy with some experienced guys that have been there and done it and know how to do it and slow the heartbeat down a little bit and perform at the highest level in one of the best divisions in all of baseball. For me, it's just not good enough right now. That they need to be better, right? Ryu, what will Ryu look like next year? Will will the arm speed be there? Will the will the arm slot be there? Will the velocity be there? Will the location be there? We have no idea. But they'll, he'll need some help because he'll need some breaks, and they got to fill in the blanks. The quicker they do it, the better off they're going to be. Mr. Barker, thank you very much for doing this. We will be back tomorrow with Walk Off Wednesday. Texts and calls solicited, and uh, we will have. A breakdown of tonight's second game, Jays and the Red Sox, second of three games at Salem Field in Buffalo. Two more games, then they go on the road, and then the boys are back home. We've got a 
really entertaining writer's block ahead for you. Max Kerman and Nick Dyke of the Arkells will join us. Elliot Friedman, Brian Burke, and Hazel May. Who? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll try to make it work. See you tomorrow, Bart. See ya.